On today's episode of The Glue Guys, Brian and I dive into the electric Pacers-Nets game. Uh, the Nets actually won. They actually out-rebounded the Pacers. And then later on the show, special weekend special right here, later on the show, Mo DeKeel, former mm. video coordinator for the Clippers and Spurs, now podcaster, NBA analyst. He nice. does a podcast for The Athletic. Uh, the Athletic NBA show. He's on the Friday show, which is Nerder, she wrote. Uh, he has some real basketball analysis. Uh, we recorded the interview before the the Nets Pacers game, so it's gonna be a little bit a little bit different, but that will be it. And this was the longest tease yeah, of all good time. Good tease. Solid tease, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the glue guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Where are you? Where are you, Check Mike? Out on Twitter. I'm so off my game. Uh, at BK Glue Guys on Twitter. Netsdaily.com. The Athletic. Get yourself find that paywall. Theathletic.com slash glue guys. Uh, Brian? Michael. The Nets are back. You left me hanging so bad there, Mike. How do I forgive <laughs> you? How do I move on? Dude, I. I am so happy. We're recording this at 10.22 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Friday, right after the yeah. Pacers-Nets game. Um, I'm so a, happy. It was a slobber knocker. Like, <laughs> just, uh... Uh, I'm glad that you agreed to do this. If people don't know, Brian, what do you do during games? Are, you allowed, are we allowed to tell people? Is yeah. that illegal? Yeah. I don't care. I ride dirty. Right, He rides Come. dirty on the Twitch streams. Yeah. Come catch me. Um and and but yet so I'll, <laughs> what I'll do is I'll check in on the Twitch stream to be able to communicate with Brian uh, to see if he is in fact alive and he's alive and I felt like the game I don't know if it's important enough to pod but it it felt significant that the the Nets and really that James Harden felt like the James Harden that we remember from last year just mm. ball mm. dominant controlling the flow of the game getting ridiculous foul calls there's the one when he got it was like i think it was right before half where he pump faked a three defender jumped straight up in the air and james harden jumped into him and did a 360 like corkscrew onto mm. the ground and got three free three free throws <laughs> nice three free. uh brian how'd you feel about the game um <clears throat> well it was at times you know a mess uh, an ugly one, but you know, it was, a, uh, it was, there was good things to take away from it. First of all, the <laughs> ascendance of LaMarcus Aldridge to the Mount Rushmore of Nets basketball. That's, 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 there. that's yeah. first and foremost. I don't, I was not prepared for how much I was going to fall in love with LaMarcus Aldridge. That snuck up on me, Mike. That really snuck you, you up on me. You are Kate Winslet in the holiday and he is Jack Black. <laughs> yes. You were not prepared. He was not, I was not. Um, <laughs> and yes, as Sean Goodfriend reminds us in the chat, 19 free throws for Harden, a, a vintage, a 2008 vintage of James uh, Harden. No, 2012 uh, vintage. Mm, pop yeah. that cork. That is. Pour it out. Let, let it. That's let a it full just... body red right there for you. <laughs> um, 
pairs nicely with some brie. Uh, just kidding. Um, oh, jeez. I know. We're not. Let's not. Please. Please. It's a fry. It's, it's Shabbat. I can't <laughs> I have a cheese argument. I know. For yeah. for everyone who's a cheese head, Stop. we don't. Um, why? Why even? My wife is going to come on the show, and she we're going to talk cheese. Not this episode, but the one pro the next episode coming up yeah. she will talk on the show so feel free to skip that one um just kidding <laughs> shout out shout out to the missus um yeah it was it was uh we learned some things in this game you know at gross as it was at times i felt like this was one of the um one of the games where where you kind of begin to sort of see things shake out um I hope that this is something that Harden can build on really and truly like, you know, I, I felt like it was like a 60% improvement. You know, he was like doing the thing, but it's still, he still is lacking the ability to like take his one dude off the dribble all the way and finish. You finish that little, you, you put that little last piece together and we're back. We're back, baby. Um, but you know, as, as he said, we're like build, we're building back better, but also, um, slowly it's a it's a it's a process mike as they say in this line of business i'm gonna do a uh nba analyst thing you ready you ready for this okay i i mean if if james harden if this is him at a diminished capacity i would like to have been diminished to gotten 29 8 and 8 you know that would have been pretty good for me like (laughs) (laughs) thank you um but also true he was 29 8 and 8 19 free throws, as Sean, good friend, good friend of the show, says in the chat. Uh, five for 11 from the field, three for six from three. Some of those threes were step back, the the classic textbook step back, hard in mm. three. Um, he was, I think he was really the story of the game. But then the second one, like you're saying, if there's an A plot, which is like Dwight and Jim have to go on a sales call. A plot. Right. The B plot, Pam and Michael have to find the right paper for the Pam for the Jan meeting, excuse me, is Lamarcus Aldridge. Uh <laughs> as you said. I mean Good. His yeah, thank you. That yeah. took a took a long time to get to Lamarcus Aldridge. There Nailed it though. Nailed me. it. Yeah. Uh ten for sixteen from the field, twenty-one points, eight rebounds. And the thing that I didn't expect, so like getting Lamarcus Aldridge back. It kind of felt like it went a little bit like under the radar for at least me because, you know, like I really wasn't that ultimately that impressed with the three or six games or whatever he played for the Nets last season. He played great in the 76ers game this season, but I didn't know that he had like a 21 and eight in him anymore. Mm. I didn't know that like even existed, that there there was any part of his body that could produce a 21.8 rebound <clears throat> performance because like really if you look at the lineup like as much as I love Blake Griffin like I think you know he can probably still produce a 21 and 8 but it's going to be very rare Paul Millsap isn't feeling like a guy that will ever do that again um I don't want to discount Paul because he's such a fighter but like he he hasn't really been that impressive so far mm-hmm. this season would yeah. you agree with that or I mean or I wouldn't I wouldn't dog him that hard but you know Okay, so I'll mark it down. I hate Paul Millsap, and you love him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, please. Perfect. <laughs> uh, but, like, LaMarcus Aldridge be able to produce that is a key a key distinction. And he did it on, like, all mid-range jumpers and offensive rebounds, putbacks, fantastic work. 
this this has to be the first game that the Nets out rebounded the other team, right? I mean, I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. We should check it, but I can't. Somebody in chat can check it. I don't know. Yeah. Somebody's. Um, I will say that, like, also not just the twenty-one and eight is was um, exciting on its in its own uh, right, but like, you know, Demontis Sabonis is. I put I put him in a category of of player who just like tends to roast us and inside out. Yes rangy big uh Vucevic a couple other guys uh and I it was the first time ever I was just like get LaMarcus on this dude for every possession and he was feasting on his soul Mike it was it was a true (laughs) like I I feel weirdly comfortable uh with LaMarcus guarding guys like that um I don't know why maybe it's just because like they it's a similar thing like and he just like I know he just knows what they want to do because really the way he defends them is just by like Praying Mantis style darting a claw out when they go to finally make like their dribble drive move from wherever they are. And like, it's enough to make them like off their, uh, it puts them out of their sink enough to that. Like everything goes to hell from there. And uh, yeah, I mean, he debates them into like really like into bad shots routinely. I just have really enjoyed his man on man defense. And and this game was also key from this point of view, all off season, there was a segment of the Nets fan base that wanted Joe Harris to be traded, right? And one of the most popular options to trade Joe Harris is for Miles Turner because mm. they have the same salary figure. Miles Turner plays center and would seemingly fit on the Nets pretty well. And Joe Harris, you know, I mean, he could fit really on any team, but no, no one from Nets Twitter really cares what the Pacers want. So Miles Turner v. Joe Harris, the trade machine matchup. Uh, both sucked, <laughs> like mostly. Like I, I actually appreciated Joe. There were some people on Twitter uh, asking why Joe was so terrified to take open threes. I mean, he took six three point shots. I know he left things open. I, I like that he's trying to drive to the hole. Um, like I appreciate about him. I think there's a thought process with Joe. It's like I can't just be stand around shooter guy. He had the like, one backdoor cut that was success. I haven't yes. seen that in in. An- uh, in a fortnight, like it's been a been a minute. <laughs> this podcast is sponsored by <laughs> Epic Games. Fortnite, not yeah. the game, just like the time, the period yeah. of time. <laughs> Fourteen days. Fourteen, 14 days. days. Um, um, quick from producer Sean, good friend, good friend of the pod. Good for sure. um, yeah. uh, we were we out rebounded Philadelphia in the Philly game. So well, another was, win, another was. win. Mm-hmm. Um, the I so Joe is like. Are you? Are, what's your concern level for Joe? How how terrified are you of what's happening? Or do you not really think? Because in, in this game, it didn't feel as impactful as maybe it feels in some other games, particularly when they lose. Um. Yeah. I Matt Parker in the chat while we were streaming on Twitch had a good bit. We were talking about how whenever Joe Harris makes a three, it feels sort of inconsequential. Like when we looked back at the. Um, heat game or whatever, you know, he had a fair, he had like five threes or something in that game. Um, and he compared him to, uh, Daryl strawberry, who he claims only ever hit a home run when it didn't matter. Either they were down too big for it to matter or up too big for it to matter, which is, I do agree that that's sort of how it feels with like his averages aren't so, so terrible, but for some reason I can't help but notice, like he's just not hitting meaningful shots in a way that like would, 
build some momentum, get, get the thing going. Um, I'm sure it'll be there. He's had his body of work is too expansive and his success too great for it to persist forever. I like that. He's trying to do other, obviously he's doing the thing that, you know, any good, good lunch pail carrying coach will tell you, which is like, go out there and do other things. One of the things that he did was concuss himself and Blake Griffin needlessly. Um, but Hey, not for lack of trying. He's out there. He's, he's, he's going hard in the paint. Um, so in general, I, I don't, I'm not long-term worried about him, but like, this has been a pretty nasty stretch and, you know, having it be a continuation from last season's nasty stretch is not the best feeling, but you know, I, I'm long-term not worried. I mean, to really look at this game, if you look at the team statistics, the Nets shot 18 more free throws in the game against the Pacers and they out-rebounded the Pacers. And the Wait, turnover- he says we also out-rebounded Washington too. So we only, we only won games that we out-rebounded them. Yeah. Well, there you yeah. go. I mean, if that's that's like the line in, in football. Like, if you run the ball 40 times, you always win the game. Right. Well, that's because, you know, usually if you're winning the game, you're running the ball. That type mm-hmm. of thing. Well, like, obviously, it's not basketball. Rebounding actually matters. Hey. Um, the, like, the, the numbers should indicate that we should have beaten even the Pacers by more. And I think part of, like, Blake took four three-pointers, missed them all. Joe was one from six from three. <laughs> Javon Carter and Bembry combined for 31 minutes and zero points. Uh, Patty Mills was like the Patty Mills experience. I'm, I'm just never going to be negative on Patty Mills. I just think that I'm it's at just, that point already. It's poor form. It's poor form. You shouldn't do it. <laughs> it's just bad taste. He's already like <laughs> celebrating. I saw on Instagram that he celebrated Joe Harris's like becoming the all-time three-point leader in Nets history. He's like my brother Joe. Mm. You know, did this, and I'm like, he's already my brothering people. How, yeah. how, what a great guy. Like, I, I don't even, my brother, you, we've been doing this for. Yeah. I don't know why. Where's, years. where's my brother? I, call, I, but I go, I go brother all the time. Like Hulk Hogan. That's like, you know, because yeah, you know, really, he, he's the way that Hulk Hogan says, I've seen this clip. He says, yeah, I was partying a lot. So I couldn't remember anyone's name. So I just called everyone brother. <laughs> I just went, you know, just went, <laughs> you know, which is my reason for doing it too. Yeah. Uh, before we go and get to Mo DeKeel's interview, cause Mo has some really good stuff on James Harden and overall about the Nets again recorded before the Pacers game so it's gonna it's a little bit different from what we're just coming off of uh Javon Carter again had no points in this game I think he's averaging like three points per game he's (laughs) averaging one point (laughs) oh god he's averaging one point per game his PER Brian you ready for this I gotta send this to John Hollinger his PER is 0.08 wait sorry Um, who is this Javon Carter. Oh my lord. 0.08. Like when oh on ESPN when they have season stats and you hit the player page, they they tell you what your rank is outside like in the NBA and his is beyond like the boundary of even like counting amongst the other NBA players. I hope 0. you're not 0.08. Producer uh <laughs> Sean Goodfriend says Carter led the team in plus minus. Which is oh sorry I apologize okay. <laughs> which is <laughs> it is an interesting thing that that can the both of those things could be true at the same time. Um, I'm uh, I'm not a full advocate of Javon Carter though I'm a supporter of him. Um, is it time to dabble in a little Cam Thomas? Is it time to get a taste of Cam Thomas? With I, the big boys? I wouldn't dislike the Javon Carter minutes so much if he wasn't just like taking ill-conceived threes. If he can just shave that instinct, 
Uh, which Dude, he, it's, took, it's, he took a fast break three with no one under the basket. Oh, well, he also he did like basically on a transition three, two guys guarding him heavily on a baseline <laughs> fadeaway three. I was like, what? After he just cranked one and and, and missed badly, like. It's like, dude, what is happening? What, why are you doing this to yourself? You're, it's not, it's not desperation time. You're getting way more playing time than you ever deserved, and you're, you, if you were just blending in a little bit better, this would be better. This would be better for you. Uh, I mean, he's not going to take that note, though. <laughs> Again, I just want to point out his PER, a statistic that is only positive, meaning that there's not like, it's not like wins above replacement where you could be negative. He is zero point zero eight. That is unheard of for a guy who's averaging as many minutes as he is. It has to be unheard of, you know, and and that's all to do with the fact that he just I mean, he hasn't hit any shots. He just we're like he has yet to have a good like a single game where he hits like four of seven. And, yeah. you know, he gets like a little bit of action. Um, it's become a bit of a thing. Yeah, I'm not saying bury Javon Carter. I just wonder if. Like Steve Nash has to be thinking, he looks at his bench, he sees Javon Carter, he knows he's going to get zero points out of him, even though he's going to get solid D. And then if he looks a little further on the bench, there's sweet Cheesecake Factory loving Cam Thomas just sitting there, (laughs) like rubbing his fingers. Cam's just like watching everything Harden does. He's basically Robin to James Harden's Batman at this point. Wow. He just wants to be Batman. Right so yeah. maybe he's more Nightwing. Is it, do you think Robin wanted to be bat? Like he was trying to usurp Batman? Is that the? Didn't it eventually he become? Didn't characters of Robin become Batman at some point? I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I'm, Who not, cares? I'm not that deep in the. Lore. I'm not a nerd. You know, I was Michael. too cool hanging out with girls and <laughs> yeah. playing woodblock and, and playing with my. Baron Harkonnen action figures. <laughs> Dune. I almost big, turned big. on Dune again. I, I almost know, watched fired Dune. Up. You were Dune. fired up. I'm, I'm in the spice. Uh, the book's actually pretty easy to read. It's not that confusing. You're in the um, spice. Is that what they say when they're when they're huffing spice? You're in the spice. Yeah, just in it. Yeah. I'm in the spice, baby. I dig it. I dig it. Uh, um, so I don't know like when the, the Cam Thomas effect is going to be unleashed on the NBA. Uh, I... I just think that you can't really survive as a role player on any team if you're not scoring any points, like any points, right? Mm. And if he's not rebounding, because that's not really what he does, he isn't an assist guy. He's averaging 1.1 assist and like one rebound. I mean, that's he's averaging the opposite of a triple-double, essentially. Um, (laughs) This feels real negative on Javon Carter. (laughs) I'm just saying Cam Thomas. Let's, Mm. let's, Let's dabble. I like okay. it. It's a good take. Otherwise, do you feel good about this game? It was pretty crusty against a very slapped together Pacers team. Uh, do you come away feeling okay about this? Also, Durant played big minutes. Matt, Matt Parker wants us to talk about the fact that you know Durant played forever again, and we just eked out, eked out a win against a pretty crusty Pacer team. I Durant played a ton of minutes. I do think this was like Durant definitely dialed it down in this game. He only took 10 shots. He did have seven turnovers and seven assists. So I'm sure his usage was still pretty high. I feel like he dialed it down a bit in this game more than like in the past few games it's been so far. And frankly, he, that's good. He like, he shouldn't be going full tilt for every game this season. He's just not kind of built that way. Yeah. Um, Okay, so if they had gotten the loss, if they had gotten five less rebounds and they didn't go to the free throw line as much and they had gotten the loss, I'd be devastated. And this this would be a terrible sign. 
Um, but they got the win. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge was awesome. He passed 20,000 points in his career. And so it allows me not to pay attention to the fact that Blake Griffin got, you know, had, got three points as a starter, that Joe was bad from three again, and everyone basically beyond LaMarcus Aldridge, like, didn't really step up. I, the headline is James Harden. He looked good. 19 go. time, nineteen free throw attempts. Come on. That's all That's all we wanted. That's all we needed to see. We Lock go. it in. Lock it in. All right. Well, coming up, Mo DeKeel, a former video coordinator for the Spurs and Clippers, and he's had a lot more experience in basketball. He's currently uh, an NBA analyst for Bleacher Report, and he's one of the co-hosts of Nerder She Wrote, the NBA athletic show's like more analytics-bented show. Uh, he joined me for like 15 minutes to talk about the Nets and what's going on with the Nets because they don't look quite right. But obviously today has been a positive sign. So thank you all for listening. Coming back from break, you're going to hear, hear myself and Mo DeKeel. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless, modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and Cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. All right, joining me now, Mo DeKeel. Mo, you are in so many places, and you've been so many places before, uh, working in the game. Tell people what you do now and obviously what you did before just to give people some context. Well, I podcast for The Athletic on The Athletic NBA Show. You can catch me on Nerd or She Wrote. Uh, I'm on Daily Ding twice a week. I am on, from time to time, on Basket Buds. I also write for Bleacher Report about the NBA. I'm an NBA analyst for Bleacher Report. I also do a Twitch stream Monday through Friday, breaking down what else but the NBA. Uh, uh, each, you know, Monday through the Friday, going through games and things like that. And this all plays into because my past life, I was a video coordinator for the Los Angeles Clippers and for the San Antonio Spurs over an eight-year span. Also worked for Team Australia and was uh, part of the 2012 Olympic team uh, that took part in the London Olympics. So, uh, and before all that worked. In college, junior college, basically, I have a very extensive basketball background. Honestly, that's why we're talking now because I mean, there's so you know we're a Nets podcast. There's so much you could talk about with the Nets. You know, we could bring on epidemiologists to talk about the Nets, or we could bring <laughs> on video coordinators to talk about the Nets. This team, we're recording this now on a Thursday, so there was a game last night against the Miami Heat. To me, that was an exciting game to watch. It was very active. There's intensity to it, but the sort of the story of the Nets season that doesn't involve Kyrie Irving involves James Harden and how he's looked to start the season and maybe how 
you know, the game has kind of shifted around him with some rule changes. And I texted you and just wanted to get your thoughts. You, you were already, this was, it was like, what, six o'clock your time? And you were yeah. like, I'm already <laughs> watch. I've been watching the game. I have so many thoughts. So dump them out for me. What, let's start with Harden and what you've been seeing. What do you think about how Harden's been playing and if there are any differences? Yeah, I mean, I think Harden hasn't changed yet, but the rules around him have changed. So now he's not getting to the free throw line as often. Uh, I think there's a great example of a play where Jimmy Butler picks him clean at half court. And at the same time as Butler's going to pick him clean, you see Harden trying the, the, the little hook there that he does when he hooks the defender's arm. And normally that would be able to draw a foul you know, in the Nets' favor. But in this case, you know, it ended up being a no-call. It was a turnover. Miami went the other way and scored on on that play. I think we're seeing a lot of these changes throughout the NBA, and it's it's, it's, the players are adjusting, and it's affecting the the gameplay, I think, in a positive way. But we just haven't seen Harden fully adjust to that yet. But I think, and this is where it gets a little bit hard, is I think the – he, I don't think, has fully recovered from his hamstring yet. And I think that's why we're seeing a little bit of a slow start from him. And there were flashes in last night's game, Mike. Like, there were, there were flashes where I was like, okay, that's, that's hard and ask. That's some stuff I, I, I can see. I, I'm, I'm not, ultimately, in the grand scheme of things, not worried about him. I think he'll adjust. He'll still get to the line a lot more than people will like. He'll still be a dominant scorer. I just think it's more right now. I think recovering from a hamstring, the hamstring injury that hampered him throughout the playoffs, than actually the uh, the rules itself. Although that's not helping either. We see this often across Major League Baseball, NFL, NFL, any league where there's a dramatic rule change or just a rule change at all. There's a point of emphasis early in the season, and then maybe it kind of regresses back to the mean a bit as the season goes along because referees on in any sport are told, hey, focus on this early because it's new. And then it kind of gets shifted. Like I'm thinking specifically in football of defenders hitting low on a quarterback. You'll see the penalty flag thrown a million times at the beginning of the season, and it feels like it gets a little looser later because the warning has been laid. Do you see, I mean, obviously we can't predict the future, but... Speak for yourself. <laughs> in your experience as being in the NBA, does that sort of that theory that I just threw out there, do you, does that have any credence? And do you think that that may happen um, here? Like, have there been times in the past where you see points of emphasis early in the year and then it just shifts and kind of goes back to what it was like before? I think it's more prevalent in the NBA than anywhere else. You know, I think we've seen the emphasis on technicals when they're trying to cut down on how, how much guys were complaining at one point, and they were very quick to give out technicals at the early part of the season, and then that faded away. The guys weren't complaining less. I can tell you that much. <laughs> they, the emphasis just went down and, and died down. You know, we see it with a lot of things. I think we've seen the flopping rule, although over a longer span, kind of die down a bit. But I don't think that's going to happen in this case. I think there is such a strong push for this and 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 it's not and yes it's a Nets podcast we know it's it's James Harden but it's not just James Harden there's Trey Young gets away with a lot of things uh Chris Paul gets away with a lot everybody has a guy that's foul hunting you know and I think uh it, it's more prevalent because I think we associated more with Harden 
but I don't think this is something that's going to change because the game has gotten better because of it. The product on the floor has improved. Watching these games, the flow of it is better. Guys are less likely to die to throw themselves into a shoot into a defender to get a shot off, you know, because they know that's not going to be called anymore. So we're seeing it already kind of manifest itself in a better product on the floor. So I can't really – I will be a bit surprised. Certainly possible. There's certainly possible that this may may sort of kind of fade away. But I think this is going to stay. Yeah, and I it, think it, it's going to stick. It is a conflicting thing because, you know, most of our listeners, they're huge Nets fans, and they want – they want the whatever advantage that James Harden or Kevin Durant, anyone could present, right, towards the team's chances of winning. But I specifically, and I said this on our podcast today about the Heat game, that was an entertaining basketball game, maybe about 15% extra because there wasn't this excess of fouls and trips to the free throw line and like questionable plays where you have to watch the replay four different times to see whether a defender slightly bumped James Harden or Jimmy Butler's elbow. It was, you know, it's kind of like let him play ref. It, it's not even exactly that. It's just that there was sort of egregious TikTok worthy foul drawing type plays are being removed more from the game. And hey, basketball is more fun when the ball's being shot from the floor and not from the free throw line, right? Like, I think that there's a big benefit going on, but this rule impacts. Um, a particular group of players, Harden, Trey Young, as you said, and I just wonder how their game is going to have to shift, particularly for Harden, who is recovering from injury. Like, if he's going to be trying to get the fouls that he seeks, uh, he it's going to put more stress on his body because he's actually going to have to get fouled, as opposed to in the past where he really wasn't getting fouled. He was fouling people and he was just pulling them closer to him, right? Right, and 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 he was getting away with 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 some stuff, right? It's it's. Um, I'm gonna steal a phrase from Bomani Jones. You, you know, he, he called it insurance fraud, right? And like that's basically what it was, you know. And, and there was a lot of it. So I think, you know, I I'm just ultimately I'm just not worried about it because James Harden's game itself is so good, you know, and 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 he's so talented that he is going to be able to figure this out. I think we're I think he's also kind of gotten a little bit of a bad whistle too. I think the referees are are, are so aware of Harden's foul hunting in the past that they're actually not giving him whistles now that are legitimate fouls. Like it's it's funny he didn't get that call that I described earlier, which rightfully so I agreed with the ref. Two plays later he got a very cheap foul and I was like, "Well, that's got to be very frustrating for him." You know, because I didn't think that was so much a foul. And I think it's it's along those lines, like Harden's going to adjust. I'm not worried about him in the long run. I just think it doesn't help that he's not fully healthy. He's out on the court. They need him on the court with the whole situation with Kyrie Irving. And, you know, he's he's not able to fully explode the way he used to right now. So he is trying to get to the line to help his team just those fouls aren't there anymore before i let you go because um in full honesty i'm sitting outside my dentist's office which it was you have a fun day (laughs) and also in full honesty my dentist is my stepfather so if i'm late it's like really bad 
within Nets Twitter, there's a level of anxiety because this team doesn't look all that great. You know, it looks fine, but and, and it's early, so it's tough to have perspective. You know, there's no such thing as perspective on Twitter. Um, you've watched this team. Uh, what? How should Nets fans be feeling? Should they have a level of anxiety that maybe, hey, this team isn't as supremely talented as they believed? Or, again, is it just early season and, you know, again, on Wednesday night, the Suns, Lakers, Bucks, and Nets all lost. This is just what happens in the NBA. This is a cop-out answer because it's a little bit of both, right? There are going to be nights where you're going to lose to teams in the NBA. And when you look at all the list of the teams, the, those teams that lost, the Nets lost to the toughest opponent, the Miami Heat. You know, the, the Suns lost to the Kings. Lakers lost to Oklahoma City, which is still baffling. And Milwaukee lost to Minnesota. So, like, Miami is really a team that's going to be in the mix come playoff time. I, I am worried because some of the same issues we saw in a few other games, especially the game – against Milwaukee to start the season are showing up again. And it's the inability to finish defensive possessions with a rebound. I was stunned. I knew it when I watched the game. I said, wow, the second chance points must be nuts. But my jaw still dropped when I saw the Heat had 31 second chance points in the game against Miami. Excuse me, against Brooklyn. That's unreal. You know, and when you look, and then I go like, well, what did the Nets have? Four, a, a, a plus 27 advantage in any category is always very difficult to overcome. So I think that's really kind of one just massively glaring weakness right now that we're seeing from the Nets that, that, that is worrisome and something that you just hope will get better. But again, also very early in the season, still a long way to go. And then real quick, so the Nets have made a couple of additions. I'm going to count LaMarcus Aldridge as an addition because he didn't really play for the team last year besides, I think, six games or two games or whatever it was. Paul Millsap, LaMarcus Aldridge, Patty Mills, uh, obviously James Johnson and Bembry, but they haven't really played enough. Uh, I would imagine Patty Mills, I mean, you know, I know you know Patty's game pretty well. How do you think, you know, those guys are integrating on the team I know that's a lot of people to synthesize, but how do you think they all have been looking? And do you think the Nets are mostly happy with who they've gotten? Or we go back to rebounding. Do you think Sean Marks is already thinking like, uh, we probably actually need a really big guy to rebound the ball because we still don't really have a great rebounder on this team? Yeah, I think I think he's happy with the acquisitions in terms of the guards. I think all of those guys are gonna are, are gonna fill in. Well, I think Patty Mills' shooting goes a long way. I think it, it, it takes them, uh, helps sort of continue to spread the floor, and he has a championship pedigree. So I think they're in pretty good shape. So it's, it's what you said, though. Ultimately, he's going to be looking at the roster going, like, where can I find a big man? Because I need to get rebounding help. And it's pretty interesting. You know, Claxton didn't play last night, but he did play in the Milwaukee game, and they still couldn't grab a defensive rebound to save their lives. Uh, Claxton, Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge, Millsap. That's that's four bigs right there, and you're still not able to rebound. That's concerning, and I think that's that's going to be the aim for what Marks is going to be looking for when he's looking to upgrade the roster because he needs to have a guy that can 
get some defensive rebounds for them to help them close out possessions. You know, they're without Kyrie, they're not as dynamic as they were offensively. So they have a lower margin of error. They can't give up offensive rebounds at the rate in which they're doing it right now. All right, Mo, thank you so much. I appreciate you. I'm telling you, people are listening now and haven't one listened to Nerder or jumped on Twitch to watch Mo talk basketball. You're going to learn so much about the game. You're going to be the smartest person in your friend group who cares about basketball because Mo knows more than almost anyone. I would say Mo does know more than anyone, particularly you oh, know, on on everyone on Nerder. You definitely know more than you know Dave and Seth. I would say that's a given. Oh, you know, I, I will definitely take that over the two of them, <laughs> and and you make sure they hear that. Folks, the, easy, the, the, the easiest thing to do is just follow me on Twitter. Mo Dakil, M-O-D-A-K-H-I-L underscore NBA. That's where you'll get all my stuff. You, from there, I tweet out constantly, and you'll, you'll find all my work from there. All right, Mo. Thank you so much. Thank you.